Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Well, we're doing something a little bit special between the two series, one that we just finished on David, and, um, and the second one is the one we're going to start, which is the book of Malachi next week. We're going to go through the whole book about what real worship is, how we really honor God, but today is about evangelism, evangelism leading people to Jesus Christ, but we're going to do it a little bit different. I'm actually going to speak a message on the Romans road today. So there's something for the believer looking in online this morning or present here this morning so you can't block this out and say, okay, this isn't for me because it is my job as a pastor to equip the saints to lead other people to Christ. It is not for us to pull some gimmick to get everybody in the church, to compromise the doctrines, to turn the whole church into a circus so that the world will feel comfortable here. That's not our job. My job is to equip the saints to go out there in the streets with their neighbors, their co-workers, and live their lives in such a way that people are going to say, what's different about you? And you'll say, I'm glad that you asked. And are you ready to share the gospel? So this morning, we passed out this Romans road. This is a very brief outline, very brief outline of passages that you could go to, that you could share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone so that they could be saved. This is one of the first tracks that I've ever learned. This is one of the first messages I ever learned how to lead someone to Jesus Christ. You see, when I got saved, I couldn't keep my mouth shut about the greatest person that I ever bumped into. Now, I know some of you have heard me say over the years, you know, I talk about Tim Tebow a lot. The closest I got to him was a statue up there up north in, uh, in uh, wherever that place is. Gainesville, okay, Gainesville, okay. But, uh, you know, that's a, a nice prize when you bump into someone you like or you have pictures of someone that you like. But let me tell you something. Jesus is, I declare to you, the greatest person I have ever come to know, read about, or have been able to be acquainted with. He is my Lord and Savior. And as many people that will listen, I want to tell them about Christ. I'm praying for my neighborhood that the power of God would fall upon my neighborhood. There's nothing in it for me. I'm not asking them to come to church. You see, I care about their destiny. So this morning, if you're here, you can, by the way, if you're looking in online or here this morning, you can follow a very, very, very brief outline on the VLC app. You can go to the app store and download the app, the VLC app, and you will have a very brief outline of this morning's message. Well, I pray today that you'll leave here knowing for certain that you know who our Lord and Savior is. I'll start off with the text from 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16, and you'll understand why there's something here for everyone, but especially to the believer. The Scripture teaches us, but in your hearts, revere Christ. Christ means Messiah. As Lord and always saints... Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have. Listen, if someone's about to die or you know they're about to die and you have the answers to keep them from dying, by all means, you want to learn everything you can about telling them to prevent them from dying. That's what this is talking about. But he said this, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, this is for the believer. So when we go into the workplace, in our neighborhoods, or where I play pickleball even, or where you're driving your car, and you're wearing a bumper sticker, I believe in Jesus, and you're driving like a maniac, 
and you're honking the horn. They're not going to believe you. So we have to have a believable testimony. So when you open your trap about Jesus, they'll believe what you have to say about him. Now, every Christian should know how to share the good news of Jesus Christ. But some struggle with knowing what passages or truths to refer to when sharing the gospel. You, believer, have the antidote to eternal life and the antidote to escaping that awful place of hell where millions and millions of people are living already and millions are on their way there. Why would you not want to know how to help someone escape that awful place of torment? This is not a message you're going to hear in a lot of our churches throughout America because all they're worried about is making sure they please the people. Let me tell you something. Honestly, I care about what pleases him more than I care about what pleases you. See, he's the first one that you should want to please. So as believers, I'm going to equip you this morning to help you be able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, I'm not Billy Graham, and I haven't led the people to Christ that Billy Graham has. You're not Billy the Graham either, and you're not me, and you're not going to be able to lead as many people to Christ to those who have the gift of evangelism. I tell people this. Not everyone has the gift of evangelism. There's a lot of gifts spelled out in uh, 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, I'm sorry, in Romans 12, and Peter. Not everyone has the gift of evangelism. Not everyone has the ability to knock on a door. Not everybody has the ability to go out in the streets and meet the riffraff out there in the world, by the way, of once which you were and I was, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. He's, he's called most of you to raise families, to have a job, a business. But it's in that environment he wants you to shine for him. And you're just as great as Billy the Graham if you will do your job. But everyone has the role of evangelism. Start with your own family, your own children. That's where evangelism takes place. So don't get spooked out about the subject of evangelism this morning. Well, there's something for the unbeliever here this morning, too. You see, we want, or they want, certainty. From childhood to adulthood, we want Many parents try to make sure they give their kids all they want and they spoil them. There is no limit to our wants. And most worldly people, if they're sober, they don't want to go to hell. They want to go to heaven. While living the life the way they want, the lifestyle they want, they want heaven to be thrown in on their list of wants. And so there's something for the believer and something for the unbeliever this morning. So I've entitled this morning's message, Wanted the Best of Everything. Let's pray. Father, we have prayed and I have prayed that you'll kick out every demonic activity around this building, in this building, any enemies of God. We pray right now that you would scatter them in the name of Jesus. We pray that the spirit of the living God would penetrate the minds and hearts of all those listening in online and all those present this morning, that they will hear the gospel message and one day they'll be able to stand before you and say, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for letting me hear the gospel. And then those that refuse will not be able to say, God, why did you not tell me the good news so I could escape that place called hell? I pray this morning that there would be miracles taking place all over the place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The best of everything. You know, it reminds me when I think about wanted. I was thinking about this in my office. I thought about those criminal posters that we've all seen on television. Perhaps maybe you've been one of those on those wanted posters in your lifetime. How about the famous one? What's the most famous wanted poster? I want you, Uncle Sam. Everybody knows about that poster. How about positions? Uh, you know, you're going to, at a restaurant and and people are at home and they're crying they don't have any money. And you see all these places that have wanted posters up. 
We need some employees. You, you, you recall those posters. Um, how about this kind of one? I, I want what you have. You know, I, I want that car you have, that home you have, that dress you have, those earrings you have, that watch, that watch you have, those tennis shoes you have. What about the want of, I want to be accepted. Everybody has that kind of wants. And, and then the final one that I'm thinking about this morning is clarity on how I know for sure if I die tonight, I'm going to heaven. Listen, I've shared this so, so many times over the last 45 years. I got saved in 1976, and I have not kept my mouth shut about who Jesus is. And most people that I talk to do not know where they're going to spend eternity. And even talking to believers at times, they'll, they'll tell me, I, I don't know for sure. <laughs> By golly, if there's one thing you want to know for sure, I, I always say this. Do, do you have insurance on your car? Do you, have, do you even have a car? Oh, okay, I just want to make sure you have a car. You have insurance on it? See, see, boom. Uh, who has a home here? You got a home here? You got a home? Okay, you got insurance on your home? Yes, people got insurance. You, okay, you're going to die someday. You got insurance? Uh, there, there's your job over there, Alex. Okay, that's what you do. And you always tell people that you got insurance in case, you know, just in case something happens. What about if you die tonight? Do you know absolutely for certainty where you're going to spend eternity? That's not something you leave the chance. And if you're on Family Feud, I always tell people, and, and they put all these answers up here, seven answers up here, and, say, and they ask you, okay, in America, you say you're going to heaven. What's the number one reason they say they're going to heaven? I feel good. James Brown, right? I'm good. I'm good. So God's going to accept me into heaven. I'm good. Then why in the heck did Jesus die on the cross if you're so good? You ain't that good. And the scripture is going to declare that this morning to us. So, first of all, wanted. First of all, if you're following the outline, we all want perfect people, and we want to be perfect. We want to, I mean, we want to be perfect, and we want to hang around perfect people, but we know we're not perfect, but we expect everyone else to be perfect. Sometimes saints expect that of everyone else when they aren't perfect themselves. Romans 3.10 reminds us of this fact. There is none. In Spanish, cero. In English, none. In, in, in uh, Creole, okay. In Portuguese? Okay. In German? Nine. Okay. I'll stop there. There is none righteous, no pope, no priest, no pastor, no individual. There is none righteous. So there's no perfect creatures because the Bible declares in Romans 3.23, and you quote this scripture to them. You remind them of that with gentleness. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if you're aiming at a target, you never hit the bullseye. God is saying all people have fallen short of his glory. Everyone is a sinner. And because we're a sinner, it separates us from a holy God. And we cannot have a relationship in the sinful flesh with a holy God. So we need a solution. Now, this seems like bad news, but let me explain by sharing the gospel, which is what I'm doing this morning. The word gospel literally means good news. The reason it's good news is because there's bad news. Why would, ever, why would anyone ever believe that they need to hear the gospel or believe the gospel unless they understood their need for the gospel? So let's look at something that I believe every believer needs to share with the unbeliever. You see, we're wanting perfection. Do you realize there, were, there was a perfect couple on this planet? Adam and Eve. They were made perfect. See, if, you don't, if you're telling this Zen generation and millennial generation, hey, you need to be saved. Hey, you're a sinner, and, and you need a savior. Well, what do I need to be saved from? Uh, wh what? They don't know the gospel. 
Half of our pulpits in America, they don't have a biblical worldview. So you have to explain to them. You have to go back to Genesis. You have to go back to the garden. You have to go back to the first man and woman that God made perfect. And Satan, who was kicked out of heaven because he rebelled against God, because he wanted the worship of the angels and God himself to worship him. He then tempted the first man and woman on this earth to be God also. The same temptation that he gave into, he tempted Adam and Eve with that temptation. And they rebelled against the way God wanted them to live on this planet. The whole earth is yours. I've given you everything you could ever want, need, or dream about. It's all yours. You're in charge. You don't even have a cantankerous wife, and you don't have a rebellious husband. It's yours. One, one tree, I'm going to test you to see if you're willing to love me back. With one tree I don't want you to eat off of. You have to go back to that and explain to them what happened. It's like us today. God has given us everything, and then we sometimes still rebel. And, God, why haven't you given me this? You haven't met all my wants, so therefore I don't know if I'm going to serve you wholeheartedly. That's what happened in the garden. And when they rebelled against God, we lost forever and ever our fellowship with God, continually floating away as far as the east is from the west. And because of that, God had to punish that rebellion just like he punished Satan and kicked him out of heaven. When man rebelled against God, he was saying, I want to be God. I want to be worshipped. So he sinned against God. You see, God created hell not for mankind. He created hell for the devil and his angels when he kicked them out of heaven. But then when we listen to Satan, he becomes your daddy. The scripture clearly tells us there's no middle ground. Okay, I don't know. Does this side you want to be in heaven and this side wants to be in hell? I, I won't do that to you. I'm sorry. But the Bible does clearly tell us that either the Father and Jesus is your God or Satan is your God. That's just the truth. That's what he teaches. There's no middle ground. There's no middle aisle. And some of your daddy is the devil. It is Satan. And you're going to receive exactly the same punishment he received. God did not intend that for you and me, but that is exactly what he said he was going to do. So, you see, you've got to tell them the gospel because there's going to be a punishment that I'm sure they really don't want to pay. I'm sure that's not where they want to go. I'm sure that's not what they're saving up for retirement. The other thing I want to tell you about this awfulness is it's permanent. We cannot change our circumstances. Our flesh will return to the ground because of our rebellion against God, but our spirits will live forever. Because we were created in the image of God, we will live forever and ever and ever. Unlike the animals, all creatures will live forever. That is the human creature. And it's permanent. There are people right now screaming, yelling, in pain right now forever and ever and ever. That's the bad news. Perfection was lost. We've been wanting perfection ever since. We've been expecting it of everyone else but ourselves. So the second thing you want to tell them is, is something about the gospel. Someone, I want someone to love me no matter what. Every creature wants to be loved. Seems like we lost God's love in the garden. And since then, we've been looking for love in all the wrong places. Someone sang that song and made it popular. We want someone to love us just the way we are. Well, there's good news on the subject. There is someone that loves you just the way you are. We'll begin there. You see, Romans 5.8 tells us, and that's in that passage. You want to come across this passage after you tell them, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But then you want to tell them, but God demonstrated his love for you, for us. While we were ugly, nasty, no good looking, selfish, covetous, adulterers, thieves, murderers. 
Christ died for us. Remember, he demonstrated his love for us. You see, the people of the world feel unloved. 33% of the world feels lonely, with Brazil having the highest number at 50%. A study claims that 60% of all humans feel like no one really loves them. That means that at any given moment, 4.4 billion people feel unloved, and that number is staggering. No wonder why people feel unloved by God when he said, whoever does not believe in me, in my son, is condemned already. So you feel unloved, and then you have the, the, the creator of the universe saying, in John 3, if you do, don't believe in my son, you're already condemned. It's over with. It's finished. There's no future. Eternity waits for you. Hell waits for you. Judgment waits for you. That's from God, our creator. But then out of that darkness, you hear this passage, but God demonstrated to the world that he condemned his love for us, that while we were and are in that condition, he died for us. The good news declares his love. In John 15, 13, he reminds us, in addition to demonstrating his love, he said, greater love has no one than this. He laid down his life for his friends. Now you're beginning to see through that darkness a ray of hope, the light at the end of the tunnel, that God loves you. Everybody wants to be loved. I remember in that dark moment, all balled up in a fetus position in a car, I thought it was the end. I felt hell coming to take me. And I cried out in my agony and loneliness, God, hear me, save me. I don't even know what I said. You know that's called foxhole religion, jailhouse religion. We call that drug religion. Oh, get me out of this one, God, and I'll serve you, and then only to go back to doing what you've done before. But he heard me, and he heard you when you cried out to him. Well, everyone wants to be loved, and now you hear and see for yourselves a ray of hope that God loves you because he sent his son to die on the cross. That means God himself Yahweh, all prophesied in the Old Testament. All the Jewish people are looking for the Messiah to come. He gives us hints all over the Bible and all the Old Testament books. He's coming. Here's where he's going to be born. Here's how he's going to live. Here's how he's going to die. I'm telling you in advance, no man on the planet can tell you in advance what's going to happen tomorrow unless it be who? God Almighty. And he speaks through his prophets. And it's recorded. All we know about God is written in his word. The Messiah, he came exactly where he was supposed to come, in that small town of Bethlehem. He came into this world because he loves you and me. Well, number three, I thought about this, wanted. Everybody wants the best gift in the whole world, right? Right? You don't want some little cheap gift at Christmas. Someone comes and brings you a tie. You go, oh, thanks a lot. I'm glad ties are out now. You want something meaningful. You want one of the best gifts that you could possibly get on Christmas. Well, guess what? Romans 6.23, you want to be sure to tell everyone that will listen this passage. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear it again. It's death. The wages of sin is death. Everyone has sinned, so everyone's going to die. But the gift of God is eternal life. In, only in, not in Muhammad, not in Buddha, not in Confucius, not in your good works, not in your rituals, 
not in your money, not in your church going. It's only found, found in the Messiah, Yeshua, Christ, the Savior of the world. There's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved except through the Messiah. I am the way, the truth, the light. No one comes to the Father unless he comes through the Messiah. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Lord and Savior. I, I, I hope some of you brought your ear, 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 ear whatever you call them, earphones or something. I'm sorry if I'm a little. I'm passionate about this, guys. And you should be too. I want my friends to be saved. I want desperately for my neighbors to be saved. They're not listening to me. They're not, they don't, they're avoiding me. <laughs> we give them little Easter baskets and chocolates that melt on the doorsteps and they say, what's this? But we put some tracks in there also and tell them about Jesus. And I think everyone avoids us like a plague. But someday I'm believing by faith for the miracle, for the Holy Spirit to permeate that area. So they're going to listen and want to hear the good news of Jesus. That's your care. That's my care for my neighborhood. You must explain this passage to the unbeliever. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Explain death. Well, they probably think they know what death is because Hebrews 9.27 says this. Just as people are destined to die once, after that to face judgment. Okay. Now, I, think, I know we know about death. It's a cessation of this life. And you say adios to the person that died, and you don't think you're going to see them again. That is one kind of death. That is brought upon mankind for rebelling against the Father, for sinning against God. You will die. But that's not the only death, and this is not what's spoken about in very few churches. There's a second death, spelled in Revelation 21.8. Here's what he said. These are just a few of the sins, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murders, the sexual immoral, those practicing magic arts, Ouija boards and such things like that, the adulterers and all liars, they, you don't think there's a hell. Here's what it says. They will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. This is really the message that God is talking about. That the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from him. You will be assigned your destination if you do not put your faith in the Messiah, Jesus, the Lord and Savior. That's what God says. That's what his book says from the beginning to the end. He also said in John 3.18, to reiterate this truth, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been already been already been judged i would every time i see lost people i go i would never trade shoes with that person i know my wife and i passed two people two 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 guys that were going out together and i go listen because it was that it was just it was obvious what the sin was you know a thief i got to watch him steal um, it, it was so obvious what their sin was, and he, and he licked the hand of the person that they were with. I go, oh, my goodness. I wouldn't trade shoes with them for a, a million, billion dollars because they don't know what's going to happen to them this, if, if they died in the next minute or in the next five minutes. They will, they're already, see, they're already, if you're living in sin this morning here, you're already judged. You're already, your package is already for your destiny. And that's hell. You've been judged for what reason? For not believing in God's one and only Son. You have to explain that to them. You're going to die. You must tell them about their destination. But then, flick on the switch. You must get to the good news, the explanation of the greatest gift. You see, the scripture teaches us in that passage 
The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Christ, our Lord. Now you see how meaningful the gift becomes when you understand God's generosity and the immensity of the gift that he is giving you and me. Only picture I could think of how many have seen the play or the movie Little Orphan Annie. And we see billion-dollar Daddy Warbucks deciding he's going to adopt little orphan Annie. That's an exact picture, so to speak, of God who owns everything in the world, says, I am willing to adopt you. I am willing to give you adoption free of charge. I'm willing to look past all your garbage, all your past. I'm willing to take in my family. There's nothing you can do about it. I want to do it. Do you want it? He's saying, do you want it? And a little orphan Annie says, sure, sure. Can I bring my friends with me? She knew how to get those lost people back in the Daddy Warbox house. If you recall the story, that's what God's saying. John 3, 16 tells us, for God so loved the world. I, 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 by the way, I am deliberate when I say these scriptures. Too often as people, as pastors, as Bible teachers, you fly over the scripture to hurry to get to what you're going to say. This is important to say slowly and clearly because it's the word of God that will not return void, but it will accomplish what God sent it out to accomplish. For God so loved the world. You think God's a bad God. Well, now he flicks the switch on and says, yes, I know you did bad. I know you did wrong, but here's what I'm willing to do for you. He loved the whole world. That he gave us his one and only son. All the things in scripture pointed to the son that would pay the ultimate sacrifice for us. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. So you know again, it's not talking about this life because we all know we're going to die. He's talking about the second death. Will not perish but have eternal life. I mean, everybody goes to the, to the Internet and they go to see uh, nutritionists and those types of gurus and bodybuilders because they, they want to sustain the, the health of the body as long as they can. And if they could go purchase a pill that says they could have the perfect body and the perfect look and, and live on this planet a, a thousand years, what would that pill be worth? God says he is offering you the gift of eternal life, and you will never perish. Remember, once again, to answer this question on Family Feud, why are you going to heaven? I feel good. I'm good. I don't do the things that people do in prison. So therefore, I feel good because I'm comparing myself to other people. But you can't compare yourself to other people. You must compare yourself to a holy God. And you sinned, and guess what? You're a dead duck. But the Bible tells us this, you cannot earn salvation. You cannot be good enough to earn salvation. It very clearly states, for it is by grace, in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we love to quote this passage, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So can you imagine being up in heaven, you have a long line of people, and Peter's interviewing everyone and saying, well, how did you get saved? Well, I was baptized when I was a little kid. Well, how did you get saved? Well, I went to Sunday school every day of my life. I never missed. How did you get saved? Well, I, I didn't commit murder. I didn't commit adultery. And, 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 uh, and you're lying, huh? You see, how did you get to heaven? Well, I, I was pretty good. I, I gave a lot of my money to the poor and the missionaries and you see, everyone would give their reason why they think they should be in heaven. But the only answer that you can give is this. I'm here because of Jesus. He paid my price on the cross. God poured his wrath out on his son instead of me and instead of you. And Jesus said, I'll take it, Father. I'll take it for them. I'll take it for them. And he did. He took the beatings, the insult, the mocking, the hanging on the tree, the shame, he took it for you and me. That's how much he loves you and me. While we were not even thinking about him, while we were dibble-dabbling deep, knee-deep into our sin, 
He wasn't even on our radar. And he did that for you and me. That's love. So he said, it is by grace you are saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. You have to really, really camp out here when you're speaking to a lost person because something in human nature feels like, I, I, I can do it. You know, I can do it. I can be good, yeah. Then they must accept God's gift. And John 3.15 says that everyone who believes... Everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Let me explain this reward to you. John 5, 24 tells us, Very truly I say unto you, Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death unto life. That is present right now. That's why we sing so much about the joy of being a believer. That's why we enjoy our faith, because we know right now our citizenship is in heaven. The Bible declares that. We have citizenship in heaven. Right now, I have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth, because God has not completed the sanctification process. Pretty soon, I'll know the glorification process, where I'll be out of the body and into that new spiritual body that God has created for all those who believe in him. And so you have already right now passed from death unto life. You want to explain that. If you believe in the Messiah, believe. Notice there's nothing we give credit to ourselves for when you're explaining the gospel. And then the fourth thing is a clear conscience wanted a clear conscience. You know, Psychiatrists tell us that probably 85 to 90% of the people in the psychiatric ward would get up and walk out of that place totally healed if they were forgiven, they would have a clear conscience that if they knew what God had done for them, they would get out of that place right away. So the world is looking for a clear conscience. All of us in some way know we are guilty of sin. It's funny, I remember like it's day, day and night and yesterday and you remember perhaps where you were when you got saved. How many remember the spot they were when they got saved? Would you raise your hand here? Real high, you remember. I mean, for us that were older when we received Christ as a Savior, I remember the spot where I was, the moment, the week, the day. I remember everything. I expected everyone else to know that. But some of, and in fact, when I first met my wife, I thought she was lost because she didn't know what I knew. But, I, she got, but she was brought up in the gospel. She was brought up and taught about Jesus Christ. Like we brought our kids up in the gospel. And from a young age, they remember. Every one of my kids made a profession of faith in Christ Jesus before the age of eight years old. And so they asked them, did you know the day? Did you know the hour? What spot were you in? Oh, you must be lost. I remember sitting under preachers that would tell me that. And so people would get saved over and over and over and over because they didn't listen to exactly what the preacher told them. Hey, where's that spot? Where's that date? Do you remember that minute? Did something change? There should be a change in your life. One of the places is right here. So I remember crying out and asking God to save me. He says, now when we believe, we know our past is gone. We now have a clear conscience with no guilt. No matter what you've done, no matter what I've done, I've always told people I, I wouldn't want on a screen all the sins that I've ever committed. Would you? And when you have your finger pointing at someone else, you always know you have three fingers pointing back at yourself. It is with that kind of compassion and mercy that I deliver messages when I stand up here and preach because I realize exactly what I just said. You were a sinner or are a sinner and have been forgiven of sin. And I also have been forgiven of sin. And now I have a clear conscience some man told me, I, I was a habitual thief. In every store, I went and I stole. And he said, okay, you got saved. Now you got to pay back your debts. I said, you mean I got to go back to all those stores, all those grocery stores I stole fruit from? I can't go do that. Christ forgave me. I'm free. I don't owe anything. He forgave me my sin debt, just like the thief on the cross. He for, when he forgives you, he forgives you of the penalty. Now, if you just stole something today and you got saved today, God would want you to pay back that person today or make amends. That's a different story. 
than trying to go back in your past and try to pay back everybody that you ever ripped off, everybody that you ever sinned against. Jesus put it under the blood. And you now have a clear conscience. How do I know that? Well, first of all, there is a condemning conscience. In Hebrews 10.22, the scripture tells us, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full of assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Every human being has a guilty conscience. It needs to be sprinkled with the blood of Christ and having our bodies washed with pure water. His word washes us. His word is like water, and his blood sprinkles your sin. So the scripture clearly tells us that we all have a guilty conscience. But once you call upon God, he tells us that there is no condemnation. I remember sitting in the seats like many of you, and when I first got saved, and I, I, man, I hear the gospel and I go, oh, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me for that thought. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that hit me like a ton of bricks, all the things I'd ever done. It hit me, and I grieved and cried, and I said, there's no way God can save me. And I was miserable for two weeks after I first got saved because I wasn't trusting in his word. I was trusting in an emotion. I was trusting in a feeling. I was trusting in exactly did I say the right thing because I heard the preacher say, here's what you need to say in order to be saved. Did I say it just like that? No, I didn't. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And I was miserable. I would literally cry on the couch of the family that took me in the home until I heard some passages that I'm going to tell you about. He He does give us a clear conscience. And the final thing I want to say this morning is this. As I began saying, people want to be certain about their destiny, wanted Certainty of destination. Most people want to know for certain they're going to heaven. They don't want to go to hell. Most sane people, if they're sober, they don't want to go to hell. Romans 9 or 10, 9 tells us exactly how to escape it. What you have to do, what my part is, what your part is. If you declare with your mouth, Because remember, the Jewish people did not declare. They were told, do not at all points, do not declare Yeshua is the Messiah. If you do, we're canceling your inheritance in the family. If you do, you lose your social standing in the community. If you do, you're going to lose your job. So, They paid a big price to say, Yeshua is Adonai. And so do we today pay a price when you decide to believe in Jesus. He says, if you declare with your mouth, he, Jesus, is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved And when God tells you something, you can count on it because God is faithful the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says that you'll be saved. Watch what you say. Watch what you say. Let me explain. How many, well, that would be a bad idea to ask today. How many are car concealing, have car concealing weapons? I see two. Some of you won't, won't tell us, okay. You know, you're authorized to carry a concealed weapon. Do you know that if you pull out your gun and you shoot someone, if you don't say the right words, do you know that you'll be thrown in the prison? If I pull out a gun and I shoot at someone or just pull it out, why'd you pull it out? Well, officer, I was afraid. I, I, I thought my life was in danger. Throw them in prison. It's exactly what they'll say. But if you say this when you pull it out, I thought I was going to be killed. My life was in danger, or her life, or his life. I thought they were going to be killed because that guy or her, she pointed a gun at him. You better say the right words according to lawyers. If you don't say the right word, it'll be held against you and you can be thrown into prison. What you say is literally important if you carry a weapon. What you say is extremely important what I'm telling you right now, Romans 10, 13. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Yeshua, 
will be saved. There's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved. I didn't say it. I didn't make this up. It's not a Baptist religion. It's not an American religion. It's what God told the planet. I created the heavens and the earth, and here's what I declare. The only way you're going to have a way to me, the only way you're going to be in heaven, the only way that you're going to have access to heaven is you must put on righteousness. And remember, as we started the message this morning, we declared there is none righteous, no, not one. And so the scripture tells us this very clearly. If you will believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world and died for the sins of the world, I will forgive you, and I will clothe you with righteousness. Remember that perfection we talked about earlier? That means you are perfect in God's sight. You don't always act perfect. That won't happen until you get the glorified body. But from God's perspective, he sees you through the blood of Christ that was sprinkled on the altar all throughout the Old Testament, pointing to the future of the ultimate sacrifice on the Passover. And isn't it amazing? In history, it's recorded that he literally died on the Passover. His blood was shed for you. All you have to do is cry out. And the biggest example God gave us is the thief on the cross. That guy didn't do one thing right in his entire life. He was a, he was a rebel. He was a sinner. And yet he did the only thing that you have to do and I have to do. He cried out. Basically, what he, he didn't say the exact right words, guys. He just said this. Hey, quit making fun of this man over here. To the other thief. Can't you see he didn't do anything wrong? We deserve what we got, but he doesn't. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what was Jesus' reply? Today. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Today. So if you're here today or you're looking in online today, you don't know for certain if you die tonight where you would spend eternity. Oh, I wouldn't wait another day, another hour, another minute because you have no guarantee that when you turn off that television set or when you walk out this door that God is going to afford you another opportunity to call upon him. And I know many pastors have stood in the pulpits and told horror stories of people that were presented the gospel and then only an hour later hear about a car accident and they died. Well, if the Holy Spirit's working on you this morning saying, listen, listen to my messenger. He's telling you the truth. Please don't pass up this opportunity. Would you stand at this time? The scripture tells us in John 5.13, as we read these last two passages, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Here's what changed me, guys, after that two weeks where I was going, oh, my goodness, am I saved? Did I say the right words? Lord, am I really yours? Are you really? He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you may know that you have eternal life. He wants you to know today. So you walk around, act like, and look like, and talk like, and smell like a believer. He said in John 20, 31, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. This comes from all Jewish people. All the books are Jewish. Our religion is Jewish. It comes from the Middle East, but it comes from heaven on high that picked the nation of Israel to proclaim to the world that Yeshua was coming. He came, and he's in heaven, and he sits at the right hand of God, and he's coming back real soon for all of us who believe in him. Are you ready? Are you ready for him? Today, if you're not ready, please, would you do this? I don't often do this. But if you'll pray this prayer, as I had the chance to do this in the home this Saturday with a couple people, say this prayer. Remember, it's not the exact same thing you say. God's looking right here, right now. He knows your mind. He knows your heart. If you're looking in online right now, you can call on Jesus, and he'll save you right now. If you'll just say something as simple as this, God, I'm a sinner. Would you say that? God, I'm a sinner. I'm going to believe the story that Jesus died on the cross for me. 
You raised him from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. I'm willing to put my faith in you right now. Jesus, save me. I know that was a simple prayer, but what did the thief on the cross do? He didn't do much. He called on the Lord and said, Jesus, will you remember me? If you prayed that prayer, God saved you. You've become a citizen. He's clothed you with righteousness. He's adopted you into his family. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. And that spirit in you will help you live for the kingdom of God. Talk about Jesus. Read about Jesus. Give to Jesus. I mean, everything about Jesus is going to take place in your life because of the Holy Spirit lives in you. Your next step after you do that is you should be baptized. Again, baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But baptism is coming out of the darkness into the light saying, I'm willing to identify myself with Jesus because Jesus said, if you're going to hide in the dark, if you're going to hide behind some door in a closet, in a home, behind some mask, because you're afraid to be identified with me, because you're afraid of the persecution that the Jewish people suffered when Jesus first rose from the dead. If you're not going to do that, then, then I'm going to deny I know you when you stand before the Father in heaven. I'm, I'm going to say I don't know you. That's why he wants you to come out of the darkness, into the light, and proclaim, I know Jesus, and I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to get baptized because I'm now a believer in Jesus Christ. If you've made that decision here, we'd love for you to come forward to let the congregation know, I have made a decision to follow Jesus. Of course, if you're online, looking in online this morning, and this is a decision that you've made, we'd certainly like to hear from you. Make a comment in the tag section, and we'll be sure to get you some information about the decision that you're making. I'm not going to use any tactics, any, any um, marketing techniques to get you up here. If God has spoken to you like me, I was so glad. I'll end with this. I remember the preacher when I came before the congregation after I made a decision. The first church I ever set foot in. I was a Catholic most of my life, and I don't hardly ever remember going to a Protestant church. He said, oh, oh, I heard you got saved. And I had long hair at that time. I was a 20-year-old, long-haired hippie with a ninth-grade education at that time. He said, hey, I heard you're going to cut your hair. Now, what's long hair got to do with being saved, right? I didn't give a rip. I said, if cutting my hair means I get to go to heaven, I'll do it. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. He was wrong in what he said, but my heart was right because Jesus had a hold of it. It doesn't matter what anybody's thinking. If you make a decision for Jesus Christ, you're not ashamed. The next decision you need to make is you need to be baptized. Listen, I'll be up here. We want people praying. This is time to pray as we sing. Kneel before God. Pray for the unbeliever on looking online or that may be here this morning. If you've made this decision, tap me on the shoulder. Say, Pastor, I'd like to make it public. I've accepted Christ and I want to be baptized. You come as God leads you. Would you come? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.